Good afternoon and welcome back to another live episode of Red Tinted Glasses over on the Red Tinted Glasses YouTube channel. I suppose, Callum, we should start with saying hello to all of the new subscribers that we have had on the back of the episode with Rob Wick. So welcome along if you are new and joining us for the first time. Certainly, wet seems to have gone down a treat, so uh, welcome aboard. Hopefully this season will be a positive one and you don't have to uh, enjoy, probably not the word you should use, uh, the previous one. If you're watching on YouTube now, tune it in, still not subscribed, make sure you do. And also if you're listening to the audio one later on, make sure you follow us wherever there as well. Uh, absolutely. And uh, fully recovered from Ireland? Obviously, uh, I, I remember briefly bumping into you in Temple Bar at some point on yeah. Saturday. Saturday. Might have been Saturday, I don't know. My voice is still a little bit strained, as you might be able to tell, but um, sleeping schedule's just about sorted. Um, I've, I've nearly recovered, ready to go again. Well, let's get into it then, because speaking of schedules, the fixtures were announced this morning at 9am, and, well, it was kind of broken a bit yesterday, or maybe we were told yesterday that the Dons would face a trip to Celtic Park. We're not the only podcast that gets fed exclusives, although I wish it was transfer news we were getting fed, not just fixture news. Um, so it is a trip to Parkhead on Sunday, the 31st of July, a 4.30pm kickoff for Flag Day. What's your initial thoughts, Callum, on that opening day fixture? Good to get Celtic out of the way first up? Um, I mean... On the face of it, it's hardly ideal, is it, going up against the champions, whilst they'll all be in high spirits on flag day. Um, however, maybe it is a good idea to get out early. Maybe, you know, they'll be caught lacking. I don't know. Sometimes maybe they'll start the season a bit sluggishly as they, you know, didn't start too well last season before they eventually got going. Uh, but that's probably just um, blind optimism. I'm sure we'll be flying after the uh, Premier Sports Cup group stages and our confidence will be high and we'll definitely have a squad put together by then. He says um, more in hope rather than optimism. Mm -hmm. But yeah, certainly I think now puts pressure on um, the rebuild and gives us something to look forward to over the course of the, of the season. Um, I did laugh at the tongue-in-cheek comments, well, at least Jim Goodwin will get to see Flag Day up in person and we'll need to go and see that separately. Yes, it is a joke before people lose their shit over stuff like that. Um, but I suppose that's not really the, the way I envisage spending my 30th birthday, but at least um, at least it's definitely secured a day out, that's for sure. But, um, you know, first game aside, we've got it going along the bottom of the screen for those of you that are tuned in um, on video with us live now. I suppose, Callum, when you look at the fixtures, it's quite a favourable August, maybe fixtures that we would have certainly wanted to take. Um, looking second game up, it's how we ended last season. It's a home game against St Mirren, and it's two home games in a row. Motherwell come to town a week later before we reunite with Andy Constein, a trip to Perth, and then end the month of August with a home game against Livingston. Really, after that Celtic game, if we, I know you suppose if we take anything, it could be seen as a bonus, but you've then got to really build that platform for the season in August. Yeah, certainly. I mean, it'll be August will definitely be a good, um, we'll be able to get a good judge of sort of where we are at. Um, hopefully, it'll be a good chance to sort of really start to bed in our players because right now, not looking like we'll have uh, too many of the new signings in the door uh, for, for the League Cup. But that is a good chance for us to get some early points on the board after that game against Celtic and hopefully 
set us up nicely for you know the start of the season. It, it, I mean, you could you could ask for maximum points there, but given the way um, previously how things have gone, that might be ambitious. But it, it wouldn't be out of the question. And maybe I'm just getting a little bit excited given the fact it's the new season and all all of that good stuff. But that's been favourable. That that little run of fixtures there after what could only be described as probably the worst start. Yeah, I, I wondered if uh, Jonathan Main was tuning in live or if he's changing his underwear because he's too busy um, pant-pushing over lack of transfers just now. But I, he would be one that I would expect probably to say that 12 points should be something that we expect from August or certainly be hoping for. And I think when you've got three home games in there as well, Calm, mm. you know, we really have to make, I suppose if you want to say, Tawdry that fortress again and be looking to really take maximum points from the home games and then I mean St Johnson we don't really have the best of records down there well up until recently obviously the, the defeat last time out but there is no reason why we shouldn't be taking maximum points from those first four games certainly it's after the Celtic game obviously sorry it's, yeah it's definitely what what they've got to be aiming for and all given our away woes last season St. Johnston early on is not too bad, although it's probably going to be a terrible game, uh, regardless of what happens. It's not a bad way to maybe get started and end that sort of away misery and get that first early win on the board. I think that could be vital, probably going on for a block platform for most of the season. Yeah, well, especially when your first away game of the season is a, a trip to the champions. Yeah. It's not exactly um, the ideal start in terms of our way, but hopefully we actually pick up a couple of away wins in the Premier Sports Cup and we're not going into that Celtic game. Um, still struggling for form away from home, of course. Um, other dates for your diary? Was there any other fixtures that kind of jumped out to you as fixtures you're looking forward to? Um, September is rather interesting uh, with Ross County away, then Rangers at home, and then Hibs away. And then, of course, mm -hmm. going back to internationals, it'll be Ireland at home as well. So that will be a, a, a tasty month. That one certainly stood out for me. I'm sure it'll be a quiet night at the library on the 24th of December, Christmas Eve. Yeah. St Mirren away. Mm, that, could be, that could be an interesting one, particularly messy. Also, the fact playing Rangers just before the split, mm -hmm. I don't know if that could either be horrendous for us or it could be ideal, um, but I'm quite happy with it. I'm sure that'll be good. Getting towards April as well, it'll be an, it'll be surely a nice night by then. Quite looking forward to that one. Yeah, um, I did pick out Derek McInnes makes his return to Pataudry, providing he's still in charge of Kilmarnock come then on the 1st of October. Um, 3rd of September, I did have that marked down already, the first trip to Dingwall. Um, and I did quite like, well, not really, but the fact that um, in replace of um, the midweek calendar, it's two away trips, Livingston on the 9th of November and Kilmarnock on the 28th of December. We do have a home midweek fixture. I think that's against St Mirren, if I remember rightly. Um, we do also have the extended winter break this season coming in early due to the World Cup in Qatar. So the season breaks off after the home game against Dungeon United on the 12th of November, returning the day before the World Cup final as Celtic come to town a week before Christmas. Um, and then the festive fixtures, the fixtures I tend to look out for most, but this year have been pretty grim. Um, as you alluded to, it's a, a trip to Paisley on Christmas Eve. Um, although not many of us moaning compared to one set of fans from Glasgow. And I can't believe they're moaning at a trip to Dingwall on Christmas Eve. I'd happily swap. Um, 
very jealous of that trip. And then in Kilmarnock away on the 28th of December, followed by Ross County, um, starting 2023 with a trip to Pataudry. Um, that is your festive fixtures. And then, Calm, as you alluded to as well, the home game against Rangers, our last game before the split, hopefully is not something riding on it as we saw this season when the, our fate was in our own hands and it didn't really come to anything. So hopefully we've maybe secured our top six um, fate by then. Uh, time, time will, of course, tell. But I suppose if you are needing a result rather than a team that you should, we should expect us to win and it's Aberdeen Football Club, Rangers at home might not be too bad. Yeah, but when was the last time we actually beat them at home? There's a Madison free kick, so yeah, I know, I know, but they'll get, they should get up for it. The fans will be up for it, and if if they need a result, eh, it's, it's not the worst. No, good to see um, your optimism continues, regardless. Um, and as um, ever, it's good to see people interacting with the show. And as Steve Jameson says, where are the signings, lads? Well, Steve, we're going to come on to signings and transfer talk um, in a second as we look back at the latest news since Calum we last spoke. Um, obviously, as we said at the top of the show, there's been the reaction to the um, stadium interview that I conducted with Rob Wicks. Really positive feedback from all of you that have tuned in, um, whether that be on the video or um, of course, on the audio platform, the club themselves have been in touch to say how happy they have been with the interview and looking to hold more interviews going forward in the future. So that's um, certainly exciting um, and we'll keep an eye out and keep in dialogue with the club as well on who we can possibly get on. But Callum, I haven't really spoken to you since um, the chat with Rob. I know you listened to the episode. Mm-hmm. Were you encouraged by the plans that that Rob seemed to speak about and the the idea of the stadium staying at the beach. I know that's something you definitely are a fan of. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. He, he strikes me as a very, very ambitious man. And initially I'm thinking, sounds like a lot of work. I don't know if they can pull it off. And given the way things have been regarding the stadium lately, I wouldn't have been confident. But he sort of upped my confidence in that. And I certainly think they do have to aim high. And if they are going to, well, build a new stadium, it has to be perfect. It can't just be another sort of home and then in a few years, well, not a few years, but 50 years down the line, look to get a new one. If this is going to be our permanent home, they have to get it absolutely right. And he seemed very ambitious with that. I was very encouraged by um, the, the way he wanted to sort of link it in with the other projects that are down the beach, sort of uh, mm. spoke about the uh, the ice rink as well and things like that. Um, also, p- perhaps concerts as well um, at, at the stadium. It's encouraging, and I'm sure it will take a very, very long time to get over the line and to get it built and to get it sorted. But if they can do it, I think it could be absolutely excellent. And stones throw away from Pataudry, as it is now, you can't really ask for too much better. Yeah, and I, I do see where folk are coming from on the, the capacity. Um, Rob saying, you know, between sixteen and 18,000, probably with more view towards the 16,000 um, capacity. And I th- you know, I knew it would cause controversy and it was certainly something in my mind when, you know, you've got the chairman speaking about wanting to hit 15,000 season ticket holders and your commercial director speaking about only wanting to build a stadium of 16,000. The two don't really add up, mm. but the fact that the club are looking to deliver a quality stadium rather than going for too much and not being able to deliver on the, the quality, there, there was maybe method to the madness, but um, can certainly understand um concerns that, that people have ar- ar- around that um, 
Absolutely, but I, I hope there would maybe be room for uh, expansion, perhaps included in that. Um, mm-hmm. But at the same time, right now, not getting anywhere near close to filling Pataudry. So what's the point no. of building another 20,000-seater stadium? Very, very true. And um, Rob, of course, did say he'd be happy to come on a bit later on, maybe once the project has got up and running, um, maybe when there's the design phases. I know they certainly want to consult with fans around certain aspects as well. So, again, it's maybe something we can post to Rob um, on his next appearance on Red Tint and Glasses anyway. Um, we'll get to the transfer talk, Calum. And I suppose the big news, the big departure from Pataudry this week was, of course, Dean Campbell. Um, moving to Stevenage down in League Two on a season's long loan. Um, happy to see Dean get another loan, Callum. I think so. I think going out on loan should have been something that maybe happened earlier in in Dean Campbell's career because he's clocked up seventy five appearances at, uh, for Aberdeen now. But how many of them are little five minute if that appearances towards the end of the game when we're seeing something out or whether the game's already won, whatever. Um, I think it's a good chance for him. To go and whether he proves his worth to Aberdeen and season-long loan in League Two, it's a decent level, um, decent enough anyway. Or whether he can go and prove himself there and perhaps find suitors down in England if it's not going to work out in Aberdeen. I think it does work out for all. I hope he does do well. I hope he can come back a better player for it. Obviously, his contract's up at the end of the loan, so it's make or break for Dean Campbell now, um, essentially. It'll be an interesting one, but I do admire his ambition for going down to England. Um, I'm sure he could have maybe taken another sort of Scottish Championship, maybe lower Premiership loan. Um, But I I do admire his his ambition for that, I suppose. Yeah, I like how you say lower Premiership, but can't really get much lower than where we are just now. But um, no, I agree. It's uh, it's good to see him kind of take that leap of faith almost and and test himself down south. Um, you know, he's a player that both me and you have a lot of time for in terms of would have liked to see him maybe do more at Aberdeen. As you said as well, racked up 75 appearances and it is going to be interesting to see what happens come the end of the season. Can he go and prove himself at Stevenage and earn himself a new contract for next season or will he um, grab the attention of teams down south and, and end up leaving Aberdeen? Um, time will tell on that one. Of course, I was only joking the big exit from Pataudry this week. It seems like the transfer saga has come to an end and Calvin Ramsey is set to sign for Liverpool in a reported deal of £4.5 million up front um, that sees Calvin Ramsey move to Merseyside, making him our highest ever transfer fee, um, beating Scott McKenna, of course. There will be a potential for up to £3 million worth of add-ons based on appearances, with Aberdeen also securing a 20% sell-on clause on any future transfer fee. What's your thoughts on that transfer, Callum? Have Aberdeen got a good deal? I know certainly, depending what site you went on yesterday, would depend on what transfer fee you saw Calvin Ramsey going for. Have the club got a good bit of business here? Yeah, I certainly have seen a lot of uh, varying fees. It, but it seems to be generally agreed 4.5 million up front with 3 to 4 million, as you said, um, sort of based on add-ons. I think it's a good deal. He's still very, very young there's clearly a lot of potential there, but at times we have seen sort of his flaws uh, with Aberdeen. He's got room to improve. And for him personally, where else best to really go and learn? Under Jurgen Klopp, playing with world-class players, he can learn directly from Trent Alexander-Arnold, one of the best fullbacks in the game. And then we've got you've got Andy Robertson there as well uh, on the opposite flank. 
for Aberdeen. I think they've done well to not just take whatever was first offered to them. Um, for example, that Bologna offer, which is apparently less than a million um, uh, initially, and then 3.3 uh, to buy him permanently later on. Um, I think they've they've done well. And getting that sell-on clause as well, um, I think is key. If it's going to be 20%, even if he doesn't go on to become, you know, Liverpool's starting right back, whatever. You've mm-hmm. seen what they can do with selling young players to the likes of Bournemouth for 15 million. Mm-hmm. Absolutely take that 20% sell-on clause all day long. I, I suppose as well, it also gives, you know, certain young players coming through the academy at Aberdeen. I saw Martin Stone make this point on Twitter yesterday. It gives our own academy players maybe something to work towards you know they've seen Scott McKenna come through the academy get his chance in the first team and you know he's now a Premier League player Calvin Ramsey's come through he's only played 39 games for the team um of 33 of which came last season and now he's earned himself a multi-million pound move down south whether or not he'll be a Premier League player next season remains to be seen maybe we'll see him in the Carvel Cup instead but there's a there's now a clear pathway from our academy into the first team and then you know if you can take your chance possibly then you know you can build a future we're kind of seeing that a little bit with Connor Barron although hopefully we see him for a few more seasons than just mm. the the one full season this season but you know it's certainly exciting we've got these talented players coming through and and now um, compared to certainly a few years ago Calm, they're actually getting a chance yeah absolutely and although for us you know maybe not great uh you might think producing players and then losing them, but if you can turn them into massive, massive, massive profit, like we have done Calvin Ramsey, then it's it's fantastic for everybody involved, really. But it's got to be encouraging, and there's plenty of players um, from the youth system that are going to be involved this season. You can imagine certainly Ryan Duncan, Kieran and Gwenya, mm-hmm. uh, amongst others. I'm, I'm sure, especially uh, in uh, the first few games of of the uh, Premier Sports Cup group stages, anyway. So it's encouraging, and I think it only can really paint Aberdeen in a good light. And the media coverage as well, I'm sure uh, Dave Cormack's been delighted with that, <laughs> uh, getting getting our name out there. I think it works out for absolutely everyone. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And I would say I would wish Calvin Ramsey all the best. We'll do it on here since I can't do it on, on Twitter since for some reason I'm, I'm blocked like a, a few others are. But no, I hope he does well. And obviously, like you said, with Liverpool's track record of then going on to sell players for, for high amounts of money, um, hopefully we can reap the benefits of any future fee that he goes on to command. Um, you know, as we said, hopefully doing well. On the departure, though, of Calvin Ramsey, what do you think that means for Aberdeen's starting right-back berth going into this season? Are we now in the market for one, or do you think Ross McCrory will now um, take up that position on a more permanent basis? Is it too late to bring back food to Ojo? <laughs> you were um, going to say that. I think, I think, well, I certainly think for starters, uh, Ross McCrory will be the man that fills in there. I don't know how I feel about him being the sort of the permanent fixture there, I think regardless, someone needs to be brought in because if something happens to him, it, it could be Tatties or if we need him in the midfield um, as well. And I suppose a lot more maybe depend on sort of what happens with Lewis Ferguson because if he mm. drops that, if he leaves, then maybe we'll need Ross McCrory's body in the midfield and sort of to be that driving force again. Um, I think to start with, I'm very happy with Ross McCrory to be at right back. He could do a decent job, sort of seven, eight out of ten, regardless of where he is. Uh, on the pitch, but definitely a right back does need to be brought in regardless of whether they're first choice or not. 
yeah, I think we need to make sure we've got suitable cover in these positions. Um, as you said, whether or not that's cover for Ross McCrory or another right back that may or may not come through. But on the signing front, we did, of course, since Calm, we've lost, but we have made the first signing of the season. Albanian international Yilbert Ramadani, um, the 26-year-old, has signed from N MTK Budapest on a three-year deal. Now, I don't know if you maybe see that as a replacement for Lewis Ferguson or just on the back of that discussion around Ross McCrory. Is that maybe a Ross McCrory replacement in midfield? Where where do you think Ramadani fits in here? I think perhaps maybe more Ross McCrory, more of sort of that holding midfielder. And um, I certainly think, I suppose, without without McGeoch and Ojo in the squad now too, Gene Campbell went on loan. Uh, it's another body in there. Um, can't say I know anything uh, about him at all. Um, I just hope that he's an absolute nutcase, essentially, in the middle of the park there. And uh, we'll, you know, not take any shit, basically. And that's what I hope for, for Yilber Ramadani. Uh, Three-year deal as well, wasn't it? Um, mm -hmm. Which I suppose shows that um, Jim Goodwin, etc. I do believe in him too. So hopefully he's here to stay and he's not just some useless jobber. But I suppose we'll soon find out. Yeah, and especially I think the the fee was um, around about the hundred thousand pound mark that we we paid for him as well. So um, certainly spent some money to to get him here. And as you said, Jim Goodwin describing as a, an energetic, hardworking um, midfielder with great versatility. Um, again, to to go on the point you said, he can either play as a holding midfielder or box to box. So a couple of options there in into our midfield. And you know, I think it's something we've always spoken about on this podcast is that midfield battle and when we tend to lose that midfield battle, we don't really do well. And if we're going to sign crazy Eastern Europeans to to fill our midfield and try and win that, then I'm definitely here for that. Exactly. I hope uh, we can soon describe him as a midfield enforcer. That's what I'd like out of Yoba Ramadani. Yeah, well, we'll certainly be keeping an eye on um, how he gets on. And, um, you know, certainly alongside Connor Barron as well, who, of course, has taken what looks to be the number eight shirt um, for this season. So good luck to Connor in that. Um, unfortunately, Calm, we don't have anybody else to speak about in terms of coming in. We also don't have a new kit to speak about yet. Although I did notice Rob Wicks tweeted out last night to stay tuned next week. Um, so it looks like the new kits will be out next week so certainly that's definitely one to, to be looking forward to um now in the comments we do have uh t1983 asking where christian ramirez is uh, after the evening express of course saying that he was returning to aberdeen for pre-season i think a few folk are losing their minds over this one in particular um given the fact he's taken aberdeen out his bio on twitter i believe um but i think it's reported that he actually flies into aberdeen this weekend um so maybe the even express jumping the gun slightly mm. do you think we will see christian ramirez stay um for a length of time i think the mls transfer window opens again shortly so whether he's just going to be here to keep up his fitness or even if he does appear what's your kind of thoughts on on him it's a bizarre one <laughs> that's for sure i'd like to see him stick around but taking aberdeen out of all of his bios and things to be fair i can't say that i actually noticed they were in there before yeah. but i don't yeah. know for sure it seems a bit odd and just the whole thing about him going back early seems a bit weird but i suppose he hadn't had a break and maybe this is just an extension of his break and he's due to return as of next week 
Um, I'd, I'd like to see him stick around and see how he can do with more firepower up there, more people feeding him, uh, and also other options so that if it's not working out, it's okay. We've got other mm. opportunities. And then maybe he can come on off the bench and have an impact. But it's certainly a very, very bizarre one surrounding uh, Messrs Ramirez. And hopefully this time next week, he'll be back in training and everything will be grand um, and not just ticking things over until he can go back to the States. Yeah. Uh, and another comment coming in from Ryan Does Base was, do you think we will get in a new centre-back um, to play most games? Um, he's put in there pushing Gallagher onto the bench. Um, whether it is to, to replace Gallagher in the starting lineup would remain to be seen. But I suppose the name that's been linked quite a lot is Liam Scales, mm-hmm. um, obviously currently at Celtic. Do you think now with the departure of Calvin Ramsey, obviously us getting in a bit of money for that as well, how much, of course, will be reinvested into the playing squad remains to be seen. Do you think we might see a bit of movement on certain targets such as Liam Scales? I hope so. Uh, we, we need to get going with it because we were promised a left-sided centre-back a wee while ago now and uh, still not come in. Perhaps maybe the delay with on Liam Scales was... Maybe it will be more permanent or with a loan with an obligation to buy or something like mm-hmm. that um, <clears throat> rather than just a loan move now that we do maybe have the finances for it. Um, but I'd like to see some movement on that front. I certainly would like to see a left-sided centre-back, whether that's to play with Bates or Gallagher... Um, I, I don't know. I'd probably prefer David Bates, to be honest, because when he was on the right-hand side, he actually looked okay. It's when you move him to the left, started to get a bit questionable. If he's got a natural left-footed partner alongside him, then maybe there's hope for Master Bates. Mm. Declan Gallagher, however, I am not so sure. On the pitch, off the pitch, just been a bit questionable, really, hasn't it? Yeah, um, it'll certainly be interesting. I think, you know, we certainly discussed at the end of last season or in our end-of-season review episode we're at Tregordon again. If you want to go back and check that out, it's an hour-long episode looking back at the season as a whole. Um, you know, He speaks about recruitment and it wasn't done right and it's something we need to address early on this season. And I think we've still got certainly a lot of areas we still need to address. And one thing in that episode we were quite critical of um, was, of course, our defence, um, as you, you've just touched on. But as someone in the comments probably quite rightly replied, Calm maybe weren't critical enough of our strike force. And it seems that um, our strike force is certainly something that the club are keen to um, strengthen. Obviously, the, the question marks remain about Ramirez, we touched on, but um, maybe um, Yilba Remedani's former teammate, um, Bojan Majowski, um currently playing in M- MTK Budapest, the Macedonian international has been someone that's been rumoured and also um, talks have been held with odd BK striker Tobias Lauriston as well um, Some maybe some exciting names to, to whet the appetite of fans ahead of the, the season starting in a few weeks time I hope we get them both in um, quite annoying actually because in my uh, time in Budapest went to see a French Varos game, it was between two and I chose to go to the game not against MTK Budapest, in mm-hmm. which both Gilbert Ramadani and Mayovsky both played in, and Mayovsky <laughs> actually scored. So it would have been great if I'd had some prior knowledge, but that's just the way things work out. Um, obviously, watched highlights of, um, of of both, and particularly Mayovsky. Left-footed, looks like a fantastic finisher, and regardless of the level he's been playing at, if you can finish like that, Brilliant. I suggest you go and watch it. That'll get you excited. Um, yeah. 
options, basically. I'm happy about that if we can get them both in. And it's not just some League One, League Two jobber that we've never heard of either. Even though we've never heard of this lot, but I'm just a little <laughs> bit more excited because yeah. they're not from here. All I can say is thank God you're not our scout if you're going to watch the wrong games, the players that we're linked to. But um, no, I think it, it's, it's a fair point. And I think as well, options is, is really important what you're saying there because going into the season with just Marley Watkins potentially as our only striker, um, given his fitness record towards the end of the season, doesn't exactly um, fill me with much confidence. As, as I said, obviously that uncertainty around um, Christian Ramirez, but in the comments as well, Lee Seymour, regular um, contributor to our shows, asking how we feel about the goalkeeping situation. Can't be bothered as well. Also commenting on that as well. Do you feel we'll be addressing that shortly or... Do you think it'll be Joe Luce and Tom Ritchie warming the bench um, as we enter the group stages of the Premier Sports Cup? Well, apparently we did have a loan turned down before Cameron Dawson, I believe, uh, from Sheffield Wednesday, and they're keen to keep him around. So that does suggest that we are still in the market. Obviously, I think Benji Segrist, that rumour's gone uh, now. Um, Dan Clark, I still don't really know what's happening with him. Is he still staying at St Johnston right now, uh, given the fact they stayed up? Not a clue. No, nope, not a clue. Right, that's fine. It's not just me. Um, and Vaclav Hladky was the other one that was sort of rumoured. Mm. I think another goal, I'd like to see another goalkeeper brought in just to add a little bit more competition. Whether that's to start ahead of Joe Lewis, I don't know, or even just someone who realistically would be an able deputy and can push him on even further rather than Gary Woods, uh, for example. I, I would like to see that happening. And the fact we had a loan move rejected for Cameron Dawson, Suggests that we are still sort of in that market. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So we'll certainly keep an eye on that. And although Tobias uh, Lauriston might not have signed for Aberdeen, um, and he might be commenting no comment to the Norwegian press, um, I was able to catch up with Norwegian journalist and sport commentator Tor Henrik Stensland to find out his thoughts on what it would be like if Aberdeen did manage to secure the services of Tobias tinted glasses thank you very much for coming on to give your opinion on what we hope is Aberdeen's newest signing Tobias Lauriston we hope we've pronounced that correctly what can we expect from the 24 year old Norwegian striker and how do you see him coping with life in Scotland compared to Scandinavia hi and thanks for having me Sorry if my voice is a bit rusty. I've just been commentating a football game, so it's kind of broken right now. But that's how it is. I'd say uh, what you get from Tobias. I'd say that uh, he's uh, he's a big striker, obviously, as you you probably seen. He's uh, good in uh, in the aerial duels, and um, you're gonna get a lot of. Uh, I think a lot of uh, he scores a lot of pretty pretty goals. He has some issues like like just tapping in the easy ones and being in the right position and uh, he has some problems uh, one-on-one uh, versus the, both the goalkeepers and uh, players if he gets uh, isolated but uh, he can score he can score some some big screamers from outside the box inside the box uh, and i guess i think he's gonna cope pretty well with uh, with moving if that's how it's gonna be He's, uh, maybe he's been uh, maybe he needs uh, like a, a shift of scenery. I think that would be good for him. And I think uh, the Scottish uh, football style is going to fit him pretty well with a lot of duels and uh, holding up the ball and stuff like that. Having signed for Ode as a youngster, 
and I can see that he was sold to a club called Pores, where he spent one season scoring 33 goals in a 29-game season, obviously highlighting the interest back of Auden, who bought him back. Was that really a, a breakthrough season for Tobias, the one he had at Pores? The the season at Pors was uh, was 100% like his his big breakthrough. He, uh, he had some issues uh, before that. He went to Porsche. They played in uh, at that time. They played in the in the fourth uh, tire in Norway. He just needed some confidence, I think. And he, the season he had there, he was he was insane. Like there was a lot of uh, big Norwegian clubs who wanted to sign him. He decided to go back to Odd, where he played a bit for the recruit team in uh, in the third uh, tier. And after that, he's been pretty much in and out of the team. Like he's been a bit unlucky because others have, like the last uh, yeah three four years, they had a lot of they had two very good strikers, Mushaga Bakenga and uh, Torga Burven, who both played uh, probably like the best football of their careers in odd. So he's been a bit in and out of the team. But uh, when he's uh, when he's on, he's he's really really good. In recent seasons, I can see he scored a handful of goals, eight goals last season, including three assists in this season as well. He has some three goals in 10 games. How does Tobias operate as a striker? Um, does he prefer playing as a lone striker or does he benefit better with someone up in support? Tobias is also a very tall striker. Um, do you think he'll have a good physical ability in terms of being able to hold the ball up in attack for Aberdeen and is he quite quick and direct in terms of running towards the goal? Uh, Tobias has pretty much been uh, a lone striker in in a 4-3-3 uh, for as long as I can remember in his career maybe in his like like youth youth years but uh, mostly been playing up top uh, alone I, I actually think he also could work with a, with a partner because he's, he's really good at uh, winning uh, winning duels I think he had uh, if I'm not mistaken I think last season he won most aerial duels by any striker in Elite Zedan and this season I think he's second so uh, he could obviously benefit from a striker playing close to him like and get him uh, get him in behind the defense using his head and uh, he's good at uh, holding the ball he has some issues running at defenders like he, uh, i've never seen him take on a defender one v one and go past him but uh, his pace is not that bad for being that big so um, he can obviously improve in that area and i think um, with a little bit more confidence and a bit, a little bit more challenges, if you can call it that, I think it's going to be. It could be. It could be a good fit. I saw some fans on social media say he's had a bit of injury problems. Is that something that we should maybe be worried about um, for his time in Aberdeen, or is that just like any player who picks up the odd injury here and there, and his general fitness and health is actually quite good. Uh, Tobias uh, has not, uh, not not a history uh, with injuries. He had one uh, one bad injury when he was taken over from um, like Mushaka Bakenga got sold to Japan, and uh, and Tobias was uh, going to start as a striker and be like the first choice again. And I think it was in the second game after that he he broke his leg. That's obviously set him back uh, quite a bit that season. He was really really good in the game where he where he broke it. Uh, after that, he, he has been fit. He had a, he had a hand injury from uh, landing uh, incorrectly uh, in a friendly game in the middle of this season. 
He played with uh, he played with the protection around his hand. He broke uh, one bone, I think, inside his hand or something. And he admitted uh, that uh, the um, the protection thing uh, really held him back. So he was he was complaining about it, but he played and um, he promised us a goal when he took it off. And uh, that's the last game against Hamkam. He scored a goal. He scored a beauty on volley. We know we don't exactly have the next Erling Haaland on our hands, but is it something that Aberdeen fans can get excited about? A player, obviously still quite young, looking to make his name maybe over here in the UK. Uh, first of all, I think uh, that uh, this uh, career choice, if he decides to go with uh, Aberdeen, I think it's really great for him. I think it's a league that's going to fit him good. I've always been on uh, Team Tobias, if you can call it that, ever since uh, he, I've watched him play for as long as I can remember, actually. And um, since since the day he since the days in Porce, where he was uh, basically banging in like two, three goals every single game, I've cheered for him and I've hoped uh, for uh, for uh, like how how would you say it? Like uh, he he got a lot of potential. But he has he has some issues with uh, getting it all out. As I said earlier, he he can struggle with scoring the easy tap-ins and the easy goals, uh, and then he scores like a banger from twenty-five uh, meters. Like, so I, I think uh, a shift of uh, scenery and a shift of uh, country could be really good for him. I I think there's uh, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of hidden abilities that he has not gotten out yet, and. Um, uh, I hope for him. He's he's a really good guy, and um, I, I think this is as close to a perfect match as it can be. Like I, I think he can really surprise. He's by no means adding uh, Torland, but um, he he's strong. He's good holding the ball. He got some. He got more pace than it looks like. He's a good finisher. If he can just get some confidence and um, maybe challenge himself a bit more. I feel like uh, he's he's been uh, after he like um, went back to being a, a regular starter and all. He, he's felt kind of fed for me, like he was he was happy with just playing at all. But um, he has always said like he was close to going to Russia last year, and um, I think uh, he just needs a move. And uh, I think Aberdeen's going to be um, going to be a good match. I'm really sorry if that was a bit long. I'm uh, I get uh, enthusiastic when I talk about like uh, guys I've seen play for so many years and I've worked uh, worked on covering for for as many years as I have with with Tobias. So um, yeah, hopefully you got something good out of it. Thanks, Tor. That's a really helpful insight. I feel maybe he's not quite the finished article. So there's obviously some things or aspects that. Aberdeen can maybe help him improve on. Is there been any talk over in Norway of a fee that Aberdeen might be paying for him? Uh, the fee we have heard is uh, around like upfront two to three hundred thousand pounds, and uh, with um, with add-ons that could make it twice as much, around a place between five hundred and six hundred. Basically, uh, it's what we are hearing, but. Uh, it, it's still early talks, as I uh, as I've heard, and um, and obviously the Norwegian transfer window opens in in August, so there might be some negotiation about when he's going and stuff, and that might um, 
that might gonna change the price a bit. If I wanna keep him for one and a half more months, or if he's going now, he's probably gonna gonna decide a bit on uh, on on the price. Oh, thanks there to Tor for his thoughts on Tobias um, Lauriston and Calm. Certainly, he's passionate and enthusiastic about the striker. Can't deny that. Um, what's your thoughts after hearing what Tor had to say? Um, I'm I'm encouraged in most parts. The fact he seemed to talk about uh, how how good a guy he was as well seems to be a good thing. And I do have some concerns, perhaps over. And the fact he said easy chances are difficult for him to finish, which is almost the opposite of what we need. But the fact he's big, he wins so many aerial duels, uh, as Tor mentioned, that is definitely encouraging. So that's something we maybe lacked um, last season. Obviously, punting the ball up to Christian Ramirez, the likelihood of him holding it up and bringing others into play was very, very minimal. So it's encouraging. And the fact that he said it was still sort of early discussions maybe suggests why it's being dragged out a little bit more mm-hmm. and with the Norwegian window as well. That's something else we have, also have to consider. Um, but it's encouraging. I hope we, we can get it over the line. And also, it's just something a bit different, as I mentioned earlier, which is just exciting. Um, I'll, I'll, it just enthuses me somewhat more. Yeah, also, I was I, I, I took in the comment about how he said he's kind of used to playing on his own as well. Because mm-hmm. um, I think certainly last season... Um, our strike force weren't used to playing on their own and, and certainly struggled but um, good editing work as well managing to, to fit in the video there when he speaks about 25 yard screamers as well um, you've definitely had practice at doing stuff like that as well um, <clears throat> one of the comments though during the um, discussion that, that Tor was having with myself um, oh, via WhatsApp voice notes and um, joys of um, people travelling just now um, and that's the best way to communicate technology um, was from T1983 again speaking about a, a comment that, that Stephen Gunn made about you know we won't chase players um, and and maybe you know the comments that Tobias has come out in in the press about around about no comment I don't know if to read too much into that probably doesn't want to be too disrespectful to his mm. current employers and I think the fact that you know Tor kind of alluded to maybe the fee is still not being fully agreed between the the, the, the two sides is why he's not you know openly going to comment on any speculation i think so i think the full quote something like no comment i can't but i hope to be able to make one mm. soon essentially which suggests that there will be a conclusion to this one way or another and it sounded like that tor thinks this is a good chance for him to challenge himself and it might be the right move for him and so hopefully we can get this one over the line and if not hopefully it doesn't drag out too long and we can just move on to that next target but the fact that we are not making so many signings right now. Whilst that's a concern, maybe perhaps it suggests that we are making sure we sign the right ones because too many times over the years we have not done that and ended up punting Chris Forrester back to Ireland or Stephen Gleeson back down to England, for example. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I think that's it's a good point. We don't want to be kind of dragging out any sort of transfer rumours or you know negotiations for too long and potentially missing out on other targets as well but um i, I think it's a good point you make about maybe why it's taken so long um to to sign players just now is because we are trying to identify the right type of player the right quality of player and um, that is desperately needed to improve this team uh, and see us go up the table 
um, certainly next year and hopefully give us a bit of a, a run in the cup competitions as well for um, in our hunt for any hope of silverware as well. So certainly something that we can keep an eye on over the, the next um, coming days. But uh, Callum, it's been good to, to catch up again, um, chat about all things Aberdeen in a more positive manner than what we've been used to as you know, with the fixtures coming out, something to look forward to. Um, and hopefully um, in the coming days, let's hope it's days, not weeks, um, some more signings. And of course, the, the new kit to look forward to as Rob Wicks alluded to on, on social media. Absolutely. It's, it's been a pleasure and it feels weird to have been uh, not negative Nellies for once, but uh, I've, I've certainly enjoyed it. And as I say, hopefully we'll have even more targets uh, to talk about next time. Yeah, absolutely. And as, as Callum said at the top of the episode, if you are new to the YouTube channel, maybe joining us for the first time and have not hit, hit that subscribe button, please remember to do so. Hit a like as well on the video. Leave your thoughts if you're watching this on Catch Up. If you're listening to this episode and have any thoughts on what we've discussed, tweet us at RTG underscore podcast, where you can also follow us on there and on Instagram at rtg.podcast and maybe Callum on the back of the success of this episode it's something that we can explore next week and we'll maybe do another lunchtime live and rounding up on more of the latest goings on down AB24. Certainly hopefully we'll have signings to talk about. Well I hope so otherwise it'll be a very short live but until next time thanks for tuning in.